Allah bless all of you for taking the time to come here in person and for those who are tuning in virtually. We ask Allah to bless all of us. We ask Allah for His guidance. We ask Allah for His blessing. We ask Allah to open doors for all of us and to make it easy for us to walk through them. Today's hadith is hadith 11. Good character and the heart, the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, ascended the pulpit and cried out, O you who have accepted Islam by tongue, but Iman is yet to penetrate their hearts, do not harm the Muslims and do not shame them and do not trace their faults for the one who traces the faults of his Muslim brother. Of course, will have Allah tracing his faults and the one whom Allah traces his faults, Allah will disgrace even if he was concealed inside his home. So I'll go through the just the the names of the subtopics and then I'll read uh, the last paragraph and then go from there. Just immediately following just for the commentary. Uh, Iman and good character. Harm, shame, and seeking others' mistakes or seeking out others' mistakes. The punishment fits the crime. And that's the last... Uh, subsection. So for the last paragraph, on page 137, no living and pure heart can tolerate this behavior and the pain it causes. No clean heart would ever want to reproduce the model of the hypocrites and their destructive influence in the Muslim community. A heart with iman and taqwa is also filled with mercy and best wishes for those around it. But if we partake of the behavior that the Prophet ﷺ condemned, then it is because our iman is suffering. And we should spend our time fixing that rather than worrying about who did what and why. I think this this topic is especially relevant as it relates to not just how we interact with other people in general, but especially online, especially on social media, for example. Uh, there's a there's an ayah. It's actually on page two of the hadith on page one twenty eight. Uh, the Bedouins, so some uh, Bedouins, they came to the Prophet and they said, we have believed. And then Allah tells the Prophet, say, you have not believed, but say we have submitted, for Iman has not yet entered your hearts. Uh, the context of this is some, some Bedouins came to the Prophet. Surah Hujraz was revealed all the way towards the end of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. So, and this ayah is found within that surah. So some uh, some Arabs, some Bedouins, they came to the Prophet ﷺ and they, they were boasting and they were so proud of themselves that they accepted Islam without there being any conflict, without there being any uh, any battle, without, without there being any issues in connection with that. So they were basically bragging about that and Allah, and they were saying that, so they're, they're three generic levels. There's Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. So they showed up as brand new Muslims and innocently they were basically boasting about how they uh, about how they came to Islam in contrast to how some other people did. And they were saying essentially we're on level two, but Allah says that no, you're on level one. There's Islam, Iman, and Ihsan. They said we're on level two, Iman. And Allah is saying, no, you're still on, on level one. Even earlier in this surah, uh, when some, <clears throat> some people, they came, they came to Medina, they had embraced Islam, and they came 
uh, in whether it was in the middle of the day or in the middle of the night, it was at a time when people would have their privacy in their home. If it was in the middle of the day, people were at home because it was extremely hot. They had their privacy. If it was in the middle of the night, of course, people would, uh, they would be at home. So it was essentially during a time of privacy, they showed up, they went straight to outside of the Prophet's home, and one, they were addressing him by name, which you're not supposed to do, and they were uh, for him to come out and see them, to, to come out and, and give them some of his time. They were, it, it was rather uh, rough character. What's interesting is these were brand new converts making that mistake. And the way that Allah dealt with them is actually very different in contrast to what we find just a few ayahs before that. That's in uh, in ayah 5 when Allah mentions that for those who call you, uh, for actually that's ayah 4, the way that Allah deals with them is Allah says that you know, had they waited, had they been patient until the Prophet came out uh, on his own accord, that would have been better. And then Allah mentions that he's forgiving and merciful. The reason why Allah took, even though what they were doing was clearly unacceptable, Allah took much more of a gentle approach with them because it was a mistake, but at the same time, they didn't know better. But in the passage immediately preceding that, when Allah mentions that uh, some people, they may... Uh, they may speak, they may say some things, and unknowingly they may delete all of their good deeds. That, it, it's a much stricter approach. The reason why was because of who that was addressing. That was addressing more senior sahaba, more senior companions. And for them, because by that point they would have known better, therefore Allah deals with the, so to speak, the, the graduate student, as a graduate student, and then for you know, these brand new converts, there's a big difference between college, university, graduate school, and elementary school. So the way that Allah dealt with them, the, these two distinct groups was different. And it's within the same surah and back-to-back passages, but the way uh, the way that Allah dealt with them was based on who they were and where they were in their journey. So here, in this ayah, قالت الأعراب أمنا, at the end of it, uh, Again, Allah goes back to his names. He's forgiving and merciful. So you find that common theme that if, if someone is, whether they're just starting, maybe they're a brand new convert, they, they're not, it's not going to, they're not going to have the same place, so to speak, as someone who may have been uh, involved with the community and they may have been further along perhaps in their journey in the eyes of Allah we have no idea who has what status in the eyes of Allah the safest approach is to assume good about other people chances are you know in the eyes of Allah they have this high special status I probably don't have that so let me look internally let me work on myself and worry about myself because if externally if somebody were to look at someone and assume something bad about them, what if in the eyes of Allah, they're already guaranteed Jannah? What if Allah has already forgiven them and Allah has promised them Jannah, but I don't know what my status is. We don't know what our status is. So for other people, the, the default 
approach should be, you know, if they're older than me, chances are they have a higher status than me because they've probably done more good deeds. If they're younger than me, they probably have a higher status than me because they have less mistakes. If they're a brand new convert, they definitely are going to have a higher status than me because they have a completely clean slate, right? And if someone has been practicing for however much time, you know, within that, they've probably done more than I have. They've probably produced more good and avoided more bad, so on and so forth. So a lot of it has to do with how am I going to interact with other people and how I see other people? We consistently, because of how important it is, the Achilles heel in this, in connection with this whole book is humility. And we keep going back to that because that's the fruit that's supposed to come from the, the, the title of the book, Heart Therapy. How do you know if you're in a healthy place? Well, healed people heal people and hurt people hurt people. So if someone has gotten to a place, if they've gotten to a space where they have, you know, social or even spiritual medicine to offer to other people, then, and it's done with humility and kindness and uh, so on and so forth, then that's what's supposed to happen. But if someone, if they are reading, for example, X amount of Quran every day, praying however many times and the Sunnah and Nawafil and Tahajjud and this and that and all of that is great in and of itself. But what is the fruit that comes out of it? Because the Prophet, he mentioned, that there, so there was a Sahabi, a man who told the Prophet that there was a lady who um, she prayed extra and she fasted extra and she did all these extra good deeds, but she had a harsh tongue with her neighbor. And the Prophet said that she's going to hell, essentially. And then right after that, the the man he told the Prophet about another lady who the, the the genders they don't matter in this it just so happens that this was a man telling the prophet that there was lady one and then lady two uh so he then mentioned that there's another lady who does the bare minimum as it relates to praying the bare minimum as it relates to fasting ibadah basically and even for charity she gives a little bit it's nothing fancy it's you know like some yogurt something nothing to write home about basically but she has a kind she uses kind words with her neighbor, and the Prophet said she's going to Jannah. So one of the key differences between those two examples, between those two people, one had humility and one didn't. Guaranteed, the one who was more mindful of how she would use her words with her neighbor, guaranteed she's going to have, that's a reflection of her humility. For the other for the other person, who knows, maybe the, the outward ibadah, which is good, but that's part of it. It has to be coupled with the internal. This ayah highlights both. Islam, in terms of the five pillars, those are external things that are done. Iman is something internal. So level one is to start with doing things externally, for example, prayer, fasting. But then the the higher level, as this ayah indicates, there's Islam and then there's Iman. As a person does that, then they'll grow, so long as they're doing so sincerely, then they'll grow and elevate to level two, where their heart becomes more present as it relates to those those good deeds. And then Ihsan, Ihsan has to always be permanently tethered with humility because the, the, the maqam of Ihsan is a maqam of humility because the Prophet mentioned Ihsan is to, to worship Allah as if you see him, and if you can't do that, then at least know that he sees you. Ibadah is by default tied with humility right if 
Abd is, is someone who's a slave, someone who's a servant. It's a very humble status, right? So if someone is, if someone is a servant of Allah, a slave of Allah, then naturally there's this understanding of having a, uh, a humble approach and that's reflected in how they treat other people. So Allah corrected this group, but at the end, Allah still um, like kept them close or kept them involved. So Allah corrected them, but He's forgiving and merciful. At the Towards the beginning of the surah, there were these people, they showed up, complete lack of adab. First of all, you're addressing the Prophet by name, Ya Muhammad, Ukhruj Alayna. So the timing is wrong. The way you're addressing the Prophet is wrong. The way you're talking to him is wrong. Like everything about it is wrong. But the way Allah dealt with them was with kid gloves, so to speak, because they didn't know any better. So Allah corrected them, but then coupled that with Allah's forgiving and merciful. For Sayyidina Abu Bakr, for Sayyidina Umar, when they had an argument uh, in, in front of the Prophet, it, it was a, a friendly argument. It wasn't anything hostile. They were debating who should be appointed as the leader of a certain group of people. Uh, and Abu Bakr had one opinion, Umar had another opinion. And then Abu Bakr got upset with Umar. He said, you're being contrarian. You're only having a different opinion. You just want to differ with me. Like you probably don't even, you know, you probably don't even feel that way, but you're just, you just want to say something different than me. For them, because of who they are, this is after 20, you know, 20 plus years of the da'wah of the Prophet, Allah puts them in place that you have to be extremely careful because you may unknowingly, you know, delete all of your good deeds. And there's another Sahabi who is, very affected by that. He had uh, a louder voice, and so he would whisper, Sayyidina Umar, it's a different person than Sayyidina Umar, but they would, like, they were so affected by the ayah, the revelation, that they would, like, whisper, and, and they would speak in a hushed tone to the point where the Prophet would ha have to ask them, like, can you speak up? I, I can't hear you. Sayyidina Umar is this, go ahead. What was the revelation that was sent when they had the Surah so in, in the beginning of Surah 49, uh, those ayahs were revealed because of uh, because of that argument that they had, basically. So in, in the beginning of the surah, Allah addresses the believers, don't put yourselves before Allah and His Messenger. Meaning, like, if, if you have an, an opinion, that's one thing, but you also should slow down a little bit, you know, quiet down a little bit and see what is the Prophet's opinion regarding that issue. Uh, so don't put yourself لا تقدم بين الله ورسوله واتقوا الله إن الله سميع عليم. And then Allah again says, "Oh you who believe, don't raise your voices over the voice of the Prophet. لا ترفع أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي ولا تجهروا له بالقول كجهر بعضكم لبعض أن تحقق أعمالكم أنتم لا تشعرون. Because by doing so, you you may very well end up deleting all of your good deeds, and you're completely unaware of it. Um, so those ayahs were revealed. So the approach was fitting for who was being addressed. But then when, when there's a different type of person, I mean, they're very senior, right? They're very, they, they were there for different battles and they were there in Mecca during the hard times, so on and so forth. That's a very different situation than someone who just uh, accepted Islam. Um, or even someone who's returning, everyone has their journey, but the, the point is their things have to be tailored based on, um, who the audience is or, or based on who's being addressed. The uh, the last thing that I want to, uh, and subhanAllah, the, the majority of that surah has to do with your words. Like when there was an argumentation that they had with their words in front of 
in front of the Prophet and Allah reminds them to be mindful of your words, uh, what you're saying and, and how you're saying it. Uh, when those, I forget if it was Ben Al-Tamim, they showed up and, and they you know, were addressing the Prophet in that way with their words. And so the tongue is very highly emphasized throughout that surah and that surah is known as the surah of Adab. So out of all the 114 surahs, that one, surah 49, is known as the surah of etiquette, of, of manners. Um, the last thing that I want to mention is the the warning that the Prophet mentions, والسلام, that if you want to seek out the faults of other people, then Allah will do the same for you. Even if even if you're basically if even if you're at home, that that does a place where you think of safety, you think of refuge, generally speaking. The Prophet is saying, if you're going and doing that, then Allah will do the same thing to you. What goes around comes around. And don't think that you're going to be safe tucked away at home. If you're doing, you know, if you're going and producing that poison into society, it's going to come back to get you somehow. And we ask Allah to protect us from that. So, And it highlights a lack of humility. If someone is humble, they're going to be concerned about my mistakes, my faults, what, you know, I need to reflect how did I do today? How did I treat treat people today? Is there anything that I need to fix? Is there anything that I need to 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 work on? That'll end up taking up so much time and space. There isn't the luxury or the concern to go and zoom in on other people's uh, issues, whatever whatever they may be. Any thoughts? Any anything that anyone wants to mention in connection with the hadith? Any of the any of the commentary? It's from 127 to 137. Yeah, the Surah Hujra is stated to add up, right? Yeah, Surah 49, Surah Hujra. Maybe one day we can cover that Surah in more detail. It's it's really, really, it's filled with a lot of, a lot of benefit. At the end of the day, it, end, it ends up uh, as the Prophet broke down different signs of of hypocrisy. And some of them are mentioned here in terms of different ayat and uh, different hadith. It's, it's not enough to... So the way that I should reflect on these different things, it's not enough for me to say, just like those people said at the time of the Prophet, we're on level two. Even regarding Islam, it's it's not enough for me to to I, I can say it, I should, I can claim it, I should. But when it comes to these different signs of hypocrisy, that's really supposed to be an internal process of reflection, of you know, brushing and flossing and, and thinking, okay, is this within me? And if so, I need to work on it. The easy part is to think, oh, of course that's not in me, of course. I don't have anything to worry about, but how, how true is that? Any thoughts? Any reflections? Questions? Anything from from anyone? Uh, a gem that I found. Well, there's a lot in this uh, chapter, but one of them is: it is a blessing and a favor from Allah to be made aware of our own mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes, if a person. Um, you know, they lament over a, a sin that they've committed. Mm -hmm. 
they're usually focused on the fact that they've done in the guilt that they they have with it but like the fact that you're even guilty is a sign from Allah that he cares for you mm -hmm. you know it's a sign of a conscience it's a sign of a heart that's present and it's working yeah, yeah. and that in itself is like it gives you peace mm -hmm. a little bit you know mm -hmm. yeah and if someone I've, uh, I I don't remember if this is a hadith or not. If, if anyone knows, please mention it. That if if someone, if they, uh, I'm paraphrasing, if, if someone like shames someone for a sin that they've already repented from, then they won't die until they're mm -hmm. tested with that. That's in here. With that same, it's here? It's, but it's, uh, it was said by um, Hassan al-Basri. Mm. Um, he said, it was said that one who disgraces one because of a sin that he repented from would not die until Allah afflicts him with the same sin. Okay, there we go. Because I, I, that must have been present in the subconscious because I listened to the lecture last week on like Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And okay, and what what page is that on? 136. Okay. And then it's interesting because um, another person here, Mahul, uttered, uh, had a profound consequence on him. He noticed that he said, uh, I saw a man praying and whenever he bowed and prostrated, he cried. Mm. I accused him of being a show off. And so I was deprived of crying for one year. And he was known as someone that cried a lot mm -hmm. when he would pray and, and read Quran. So like mm -hmm. the fact that he looked down upon that guy and like accused him of being a show off, he was, that was taken away from him mm -hmm. to be able to do that, to cry. Yeah. And that, that type of that takes a lot of self awareness to realize later that he must have been reflecting and digging for that whole year. What is it? What what am I what am I missing? Because this this gift essentially is, is no longer there. So what what have what have I done? Have same, I done something? Same with the following where it says um Ibn Sabin was in was insolvent and was put in jail because of it. He said, I know the sin that brought this on me. Forty years ago, I ashamed someone by calling him, oh, bankrupt. SubhanAllah. So it's like his reflecting on mm -hmm. things he's done. He can see yeah. where he was, you know, punished or why. Mm -hmm. there, there's a deep sense of self-awareness and reflecting, you know, have have I done anything to get me into this situation? Have I said something? Yeah. Like the fact that he feels like it was at that pinpoint, mm -hmm. even that long ago, it could still have an effect on your future. Subhanallah. I forgive all of us. And then imagine all the things that we've said and done and we don't remember. Mm -hmm. And it affects us. That's in our the lives scary now. part. <laughs> That's the scary part. You know, and like you're wondering why things yeah. are the way they are, or like yeah. how something happens and it could have been something that happened like 20 years ago. And you yeah. Subhanallah. It's, it's kind of like if you look at a, a picture of how you were dressing, you generically, you know, how someone was dressing 10 years ago, 20 years ago, back in high school. At that time, it may have seemed like a good idea. And then later, it's like, <laughs> I thought that was a good idea. That's just an example. But but in terms of actions and words, and it, it's kind of it's like, like that's why they're there's just a need for a daily staple of even some istighfar 
because it's for the, the mistakes that we're aware, aware of and those that we're not aware of that we may not remember. And, and speaking of dressing, like there's mm-hmm. times where people, they'll see someone dressed a certain way and they're like, oh, you know, like they're not practicing Islam very well or they're mm-hmm. like, you know, not wearing hijab or this and that. And then like, or a guy may, later, may not have facial hair, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that will affect you somehow. The tables may turn. The tables may turn. And the reality is when it comes to that shallow understanding, I mean, look at when you look at the signs of, of hypocrisy, they all have to do with the heart of a person. How is the character of a person? You don't have a, a hadith from the prophet saying that, you know, the man who's clean shaven, that's a sign of hypocrisy. All the signs that the prophet lays out, that, that Allah lays out in the Quran, have to do with the internal. Allah even mentions in Surah Tawbah that there are hypocrites in Medina as well as around it that you don't know who they are, but Allah says, but لا تعلمهم نحن نعلمهم. You don't know who they are, but we know who they are. So when it came to the external, there that that may have been, you know, what what a person may assume it should have been, so to speak. But I mean, if if the internal sincerity isn't there then ultimately the the internal far outweighs the external and if somebody why why was the the first ayah revealed to the prophet is read in the name of your lord recite in the name of your lord why is it that the different things so people often flip it so there's the difference between abu Bakr and umar and then the the brand new converts at the end of the life of the prophet when when you look at the progression of what was prioritized in the Qur'an initially and then what was prioritized after that step-by-step, a lot of the time people think of the end of the mission of the Prophet and they think that has to be prioritized first. They think that, okay, you know, uh, when it comes to addiction, for example, take alcohol, that wasn't that wasn't even mentioned in, in Mecca. The only mention to alcohol in Mecca is in a technical way in Surah An-Nahl, it, it's not in any other way like it, it, it wasn't even on their mind it wasn't the time it wasn't relevant because that's not foundational the, these things they have their time and their place for sure but what needs to be prioritized first what what does it really mean to connect with la ilaha illallah why was Sayyidina Bilal willing to go through what he went through in in Mecca and other companions Sumaya, you have Ammar, you have Yasir, you have Abdullah bin Mas'ud there are many examples what what was the fuel in their tank that helped them to make it through if they survived and then to continue? I mean, it's incredible. You have Sayyidina Ali embracing Islam at the age of 10 in the household of the Prophet I mean, as a 10-year-old to consciously choose to be different than other youth in society, than everyone in society. And he, he because he knew who the Prophet was before that. So... <clears throat> Sometimes if uh, it depends on the person and the conversation, but if someone asks, like, where should I start? If I know nothing about Islam, or if I want to come closer to Islam, where should I start? I, I would say the best place to start is to learn about the personality of the Prophet, who the Prophet was. Because once you learn all those different stories, and then after that, if you connect with the Quran, or if you look into those stories in more detail, you already have this foundation of mercy and grace. So then if you come across an isolated hadith, for example, and it it seems strange. It seems like you know something is adding up here. 
first of all, that's probably the case. And there's probably going to be commentary to explain it in the context, or is it even a hadith that we accept, or is it problematic uh, in and of itself, so on and so forth. They, he already he was already living in the household of the Prophet for like five years by then, because Abu Talib was going through financial difficulty, and he, he needed help. He had raised the Prophet, so well, goes around, comes around, right? In this case, in a good way. He helped raise the Prophet. Now the Prophet is grown, and he's married. He has his own home. Now Abu Talib was going through a difficult time, so Sayyidina Ali was living with the Prophet. So as soon as uh, he sees the Prophet praying and Khadija praying, like... He embraced Islam from the beginning. Why? Right? It's a few ayahs of Quran. Why? He already knew who he was. Say to Khadija when, when the Prophet he goes home to her after he receives revelation, he's shaken up by it. She immediately, without fully understanding what happened for both of them, she immediately responded because he said, I'm I'm worried, like I'm afraid for myself. And she responded with full support that, Wallahi, Allah would, would never disgrace you. You're a good person. You support people. You help the widow, the orphan. You keep family ties, so on and so forth. And then, at, so, because she already knew his personality. She already knew who he was and his character, والسلام, And then after that, hey, let, let's go talk to my my cousin, Waraka. And, you know, he can fill us in because he knows a lot about scripture and religion and all that. But the the... Example of the Prophet, the personality of the Prophet was was extremely instrumental. Um, so when when you have when you understand that, then when you come across an ayah in the Quran, and I mean Islamophobes they do it all the time. They'll, they'll you know, take this ayah and say, "Oh, look, it says fight them wherever you find them, or kill them wherever you find them." I know the Muhammadan personality, What's the context? Because that is foundational, and then this other stuff. Oh, you, then you look into the, the whole ayah uh, to, to fight them as they fought you. And uh, and even within that passage, Allah says, Don't transgress because Allah doesn't, in Allah, Allah doesn't love people who go too far. So there's a time and a place for justice. Even then, don't, you know, don't go uh, past the boundaries. So. It's incredible how much really goes back to how the Prophet was. Thank you for sharing that. Any other? So all, all that to say, like when, when it comes to all of these different things, there's this internal process and reflection. And a lot of uh, like hijab wasn't even until like 18 years. It's one of the last things mandated. Why would Allah give the best generation of Muslims almost two decades to grow into it. And even then, if you take a, the example of alcohol, even then there were still Sahaba companions who struggled with alcohol consumption, even after that addiction, even even after that. And how did the Prophet deal with them? So people just oftentimes just need some time to breathe and reflect and to just be accepted as they are. And then, one step at a time. And I mean, it, it's always worth reflecting. Okay, you know, let's say someone they're trying to get through to a 15-year-old, right? A cousin, a friend, relative. Where was I when I was 15? And what would have worked when I was 15? And what would not have worked? Sometimes that uh, is overlooked. Any other...
thoughts or reflections regarding anything? Like anything that's put out there, mm -hmm. whether it's your thoughts or words, always has an effect. Mm -hmm. Like nothing is put out there without something coming back to you. Mm -hmm. Is what you'll get and worded differently. And even the way of others, it turns around and comes back the same mm -hmm. way. And it's so crazy, like in my own life, I've seen it happen literally before my eyes on multiple occasions. Like someone will, like for example, if someone in the family gets married to uh, someone who's not of that culture, but they're Muslim, you know, mm -hmm. and like another family would look down on them because they marry outside of their culture. Mm -hmm. Five years later, their own kid marries mm -hmm. someone <laughs> who's from outside of the culture and not Muslim. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a double, you mm -hmm. know, like they look down on it, whammy. but then they yeah. have something mm -hmm. a little outside of, you know, mm -hmm. what they were thinking was bad. They got something a little worse <laughs> even, yeah. you know, or like yeah. someone will look down on someone else. This is literally, this has happened. So mm -hmm. the reason why I'm mentioning these are things that I've seen or like we'll get in trouble with something and they weren't they were uh, accused of something but they didn't do that act they were mm -hmm. just accused of it and then they were absolved they got out of it and then it spread around and mm -hmm. rumors and this and that mm -hmm. and there's a person who talked so bad about this person next thing you know that happened to their husband mm -hmm. like who got in trouble and they actually did the crime so mm -hmm. it's like you really got to be careful how you view people and what you say about people because it's so true that it comes back like mm -hmm. before your eyes you can see it you mm -hmm. know? and that takes Allah a lot really of... has people's back mm -hmm. you know like he cares about how someone is seen and he holds them up high mm -hmm. and for someone else to look down on them a lot like gets back at them all the time mm -hmm. like he never lets something just it always come back mm -hmm. unless you truly repent you know but I, mm -hmm. I feel like justice always happens one way or yeah. another yeah yeah whether a person it, one way or the other so if they hold themselves yeah. accountable right and she's saying too it is a comforting thought mm -hmm. you know because mm -hmm. there could be things said about you you know and you know that Allah has your best interests at heart and even if you can't do anything about it Allah will take care of it Mm -hmm. And it's mentioned within this within this chapter um, of the story of al-ifk, this al-ifk, the slander of, of Sayyidah Aisha, and how different the reaction was between the sincere believers, the sincere Sahaba, and and the hypocrites. And even from the Sahaba, there were only I forget if it was three or four. Who they still had to deal with the punishment for participating in that slander, but the the way like you're saying, Allah is fair. Allah knows, and if someone is wrongfully slandering someone or backbiting about someone, and then in that case, especially when it's the wife of the Prophet himself, the, like she said herself that after the the eggs were sent down defending her, she said I like. I knew that Allah was going to defend me, but 
I never would have thought that Qur'an would have been revealed, sent down to be recited in prayer and to be preserved, defending defending me. So subhanAllah, how like how seriously that matter was. And it, it's interesting when, when you look at the, the beginning of Surah Nur and you find like one type of reaction was like there there's no way this is uh this is true. Subhanaka hadha buhtanun hadim. Like this has to be a flat out lie. I don't believe this. There's no way. But then you had other people who were running their mouths essentially. And it's interesting because there's no concept of this in, in the society today uh, or really anywhere. But look at how Allah dealt with the issue of slander. Someone was slandered and Allah revealed an actual physical punishment for them. Because of that, I mean, can you imagine if there if there were whatever whatever consequences if people were bullying other people on social media, no one would do it. Like if you could go and be convicted and punished and you know deal with whatever uh, consequences. Then... And what a show of care, mm -hmm. you know, that he had for her too. Mm -hmm. It's like it's it's a show of seriousness, but mm -hmm. it's also like look how much Allah loved her that mm -hmm. he revealed that. Yeah. And now it's said till this day. Mm -hmm. Her her innocence is completely uh, preserved and and protected in the Quran. Kind of like say the Maryam, right? People were looking at her funny. She came back with the child, and and then there was the the miracle that you know that that child spoke that say Naisa spoke as a baby because uh, they were the Pharisees. They they were ready to to stone her. They like they were looking for that punishment but then when that miracle happened and uh, that was a clear sign um, when when you look at how Allah you know protects her reputation what like Allah testifies regarding the mother of Isa that she was completely truthful like through and through and that same nickname or title is given to say Aisha Aisha Siddiqa the daughter of Abu Bakr Siddiq Subhanallah. So how it, it is a like was mentioned in in a way it's kind of comforting. Like okay, Allah's got my back. Allah Allah knows. There's an ayah surah Mujadda. Allah mentions that there's no gathering of three, except like no private gathering of three except Allah's the fourth. No gathering of five. Allah's the sixth. Because sometimes in whatever discussion or gathering, a person may be outnumbered. They may be cornered. There may be certain things that are just flat out not true. And each situation, you know, has to be dealt with accordingly as best we can. But there's that reminder from Allah that I'm there with you. Like, I know. And that that's not an empty concept. Like, when Allah is saying that I'm there with you and I know what's going on or what they're saying either to you or about you, then, I mean, that's a serious matter. Like, especially the, the honor, the dignity, the reputation of a Muslim in the eyes of Allah is, is very, very sacred. When a person think, thinks of it in that way, they're not going to be quick to go and say different things and run their mouths. And you get nothing out of it. It's 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 not gonna it's not gonna produce any good. May Allah, may Allah protect us and help us to say good. Inshallah. Any other? Thank you for mentioning that. Any other thoughts? Anything that? Kind of stood out. It usually helps if someone highlights like one question or comment before coming. Go ahead. I'm just reiterating like what you were saying earlier. Like this quality of 
If I went I through what know? they went through. <laughs> Do I even know what I would do, right? Yeah. And um, if you understand yourself well and are honest with your understanding of yourself, mm-hmm. you might acknowledge, like, well, I don't know, maybe if I was in my situation, I might do the same thing. So, like, I'm just a capable doing sitting in anyone else. So, mm-hmm. when you're looking at someone else, like, doing something, like, doing harm, remembering, like, I'm just incapable. So, how can I look down at someone, you know, at someone else? And also, like, um, yeah, practicing self-compassion because then it's easier to be compassionate with other people mm-hmm. compassionate with yourself mm-hmm. yeah, and the fact that you're not tested with that means you couldn't handle it like the way the other person could possibly yeah. I was always thinking of it like that because Allah only tests you with things that you can handle mm-hmm. and the fact that someone else went through it and not you it's because you were weaker than that other person in that sense the other person is able to handle it in a better way that you could have. Otherwise, why would you? You're not tested with it because you can't do it. Potentially, yeah. So, so how to if if someone went through the same challenges or circumstances that the other person went through, if someone got to whatever whatever point, what led to that? A lot of the time, underneath these a lot of different things there's a lot of pain and if that pain is not being addressed if there isn't the process of healing hashtag therapy (laughs) like it it needs to become a norm and normalized and uh, there's a lot of good that can and does come from it and if there's a need for it and if it's not explored time does not heal all wounds necessarily so if that trauma is there and it's just there, like it's not just you can't just wait and it's gonna go away. You can meet someone and then meet them again ten years later and be with the same person if they put no actual intention after, right? And mm-hmm. working on themselves. And that's a waste of ten years. <laughs> like that's actually really sad if people see you after a time and they're like, Oh, you've changed. Like, well, hopefully for the better. Because yeah. <laughs> if I'm the same now as ten years ago, no, then Yeah, yeah. And hopefully it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone has their journey and, and yeah. I mean, if people knew what some of the challenges and pain and difficulties that, that other people have been through, here's the thing. They don't owe us an explanation. Please be kind to me because I've dealt with a thousand different instances of 
trauma in my life. Therefore, can you just be humane and just be nice and, you know, use your words and in a kind way. It's like, we shouldn't have to be sold on being kind. Like, like, so if the default is to be harsh and then you have to be convinced to be different than that, like, that's a major issue. The default should be kindness. And that's what should instinctively be produced and should come out. Go ahead. Even if, like, when we were just saying, like, someone who hasn't changed in 10 years, we should also be compassionate to that, too, because maybe they don't have the tools. Maybe mm -hmm. other things happen in life that brought them down further or, mm -hmm. you know, they're in situations where they don't know as much as you. So, like, even with that, it's like, if they don't change, we always have to give them an excuse because... You don't know. Mm -hmm. you know. And there can be the dot for them. May Allah guide them. May Allah help them. Yeah. May yeah. whatever it may be. Uh, at the end of the day, we're not in people's shoes. So we really don't know. Mm -hmm. That's why, like, if we saw someone that hasn't changed in 10 years, like, oh, you know, they should be at this place. Mm -hmm. Do we really know that? Like, you know. Yeah, and there's, I mean, through these discussions, there's always the, the, the pocket reserved for exceptions, right? Um, so, like, if someone has, whatever, they, they committed some atrocity towards another person, and then there's just, there's no remorse, there's no regret, even if it's 10 years later, then it's kind of like something, actually, if it's mentioned here, where is it, that... Uh, of the signs of being led astray is to be blind to your own faults. On page 134. One of the blessings of istighfar, there are many blessings. One of them is Allah will kind of shine a little bit more light within the heart of the person to see different, very gently, but nonetheless, different areas that can be worked on different things that need to be polished and through that practice of istighfar a person should realize for example over the course of 10 years or whatever time just like to reflect and to be aware yeah like do i need a do, if there is that presence of sincerity what do i need to work on and how can i work on it because if someone if they realize that you know back in back in the day i used to always say mean things to people and about people and like now that I'm thinking about it, that's actually that, that needs to change. So let me let me work on that. Uh, I was thinking like some people's mentalities, like if for example, if someone was going through a depression and ten years later you see them again and they're they haven't budged and they're they still have the same mentality. It's like Oh, like yeah, if they're still struggling with depression. Yeah, or like oh, that's very different. With, yeah, that's, that's very because like, they're not no. taking the rights of other people. They're not like stepping on other people. Yeah, yeah. No, that is. I, I mean, yeah, Papa Yaqub was. I, I don't know how many. It, must, it for sure was more than ten years. But he just he would cry so much regarding the loss of his son, Prophet Yusuf, that he ended up going blind physically because of it. I don't think anyone would go to him and say like, yeah. Oh, you haven't changed and all these him. you're still even his, his sons like some of the other ones they would mock him and you know he's just senile basically um gotcha. but what was his status in the eyes of Allah? 
and e even when it comes to different issues related to mental health or emotional health uh, regarding any any of those challenges whether depression anxiety ptsd ocd i mean there there are so many things with those we don't have timelines yeah and some some uh anyone want to chime in who might have a <laughs> so what when it are, are i have a question are there some of those challenges some of those issues that may be lifelong even if a person is actively working on them any any insight on I was going to say, like, I know, like, the one, like, the one, none of, it's not one that was said. I know something like addiction, that's something that's never, like, gone. Right? Mm -hmm. You could be sober like, 20 years and <coughs> they're usually, like, yeah. attending groups, like, their whole life. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Something you can manage that cure, like, bipolar or ADHD or mm -hmm. addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some compassion towards people who maybe struggling with any of that. Were you gonna say something? No, absolutely not. What is it that you wanted to share? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know for real. Um, I the one the one the one thing that stood out to me was um, on page one thirty one, the last paragraph where he goes. Um, this discrepancy between external and internal demand is most odd and damaging when it's carried out by people who are supposed to be religious. And that was like, that was very profound. I mean, it's a very simple statement. I think we kind of all know this, but just reflecting and like, you know, his example made me really reflect on it. it was like, was his example of the people who um, slaughtered um, Ali Nabi Tadib, Ali Nabi Like, they were Muslims. And like, same thing with. Rathmad and Afan, like the people, like Rathmad and Afan was the first person to be killed by people who said La ilaha illallah. You know, which is which is insane to think about. You know, like these are people. This is these are cousins of the. Well, they're both cousins of the Prophet They, you know, they lived and breathed and fought and bled and everything with him, and people killed them, and like, and they weren't. They 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 weren't non-Muslim. They didn't hate this man. They they proclaimed to love it. They proclaimed to be Muslim, and it led them to literally murdering like the leaders of the Muslim, the leader of the Muslim. Um, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's just wild to think about. And then we think about it in our own communities, and it's like you know um, when there's and it's not even necessarily that the person does something evil, like that the religious religious figure does something evil, but even when they like prevent or they, when they don't when when they like when there's evil in their community and they're not and they're aware of it and they at worst or at best sorry at best they are passive about it, but at worst they're supportive of it or defensive of that person. You know who's in the community and they're welcoming of that person in their community um, despite the active harm that they're doing then it's not the person who's doing the harm that's actually the, like like if you have an evil person in the community but they're not religious the harm that they do isn't as damaging as if a religious person was to was to 
comply was to say was to back that person up and say like yeah that person's a good uh, that person's a good person or like I like that person or that person's welcome here like all of a sudden then you've you've damaged the community tenfold than that one by what that one person did because everybody knew that that person's bad but now that you're putting the weight of Allah and his prophet like behind that person like because of your presence and your you are acting as this religious figure it's just so it, it, it to me it's um yeah it's a bit uh it, it, it's 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 it kind of took me um it made me really think and uh you know and obviously like the you know the prophet even warned us about people like them where like the they recite um the quran that doesn't go beyond the scope Mm. Um, and how are you but like we don't know we don't know them we don't know them and so it's, a, it's so it's an internal thing so it's um, it's uh it's something that you have to reflect on um and see are you one of those people um, it's easy to point fingers and say that person's probably one of those people but am i one of those people mm -hmm. um, am i internalizing them yeah and that reflection is it's not easy but it is essential and a sign of sincerity is to reflect on that and and if, if a person's not willing to do so then if there's that high horse approach then it's an issue i mean it's just that example alone of say north man being killed in medina being prevented from water from wells that he purchased for the muslims so on and so forth and the even the, the the accusations that they were saying were just flat out ridiculous like if they were saying they were saying oh he wasn't at bed well the prophet told him to to go home and to not participate because the wife of exactly his his dying wife who was also the prophet's daughter and he received his full share of uh of spoils of war as if he had been present and they, they said, oh, you know, at the time of Uhud, he was one of those who, who, who fled. Well, Allah mentioned, one, that was a time of extreme chaos and confusion. And Allah said, regarding those companions, that Allah has forgiven them. So Allah has forgiven them, but you haven't? Like, who, who do you, the audacity, like, who do you think you are to, to even produce these accusations? Uh, really, it, it adds up to nothing. And, um, and then even for Sayyidina Ali to be to be assassinated, for him to be killed in Ramadan, and for that person to think they're doing a good thing, it's, I mean, spiritually, these are the uh, forefathers of ISIS and other groups like that. On Just page 28, uh, 128, mm -hmm. it reminds me of right here where it says, Allah tells us in the Quran that the hypocrite target the believers with their scorn and ridicule, mm -hmm. with a clear desire for hurting them and breaking their spirit. Mm -hmm. So those are like the main ingredients for like a person that's a hypocrite. That's mm -hmm. what they're after, what their intention is. They want to hurt them and they want to break their spirit. So how can I be the opposite, right? How can I heal and how can I uplift someone's spirit, not not and break it? It's always interesting when you see like the people who are, um, who are quick to, you know, um, like cast assumptions about or ca like cast character claims about other people um and then 
and if and if somebody was to say something else back about them, they quit. They they get very defensive and whatever, um, you know. And they and then they the most annoying part is when they quote somebody like Omar about Omar the Like they try to be. There's like or they not they don't quote him, but they're like, oh well, you know, Omar was firm or whatever. When Omar was like one of the most like gentle-hearted people ever. Um, you know, so much so that the I just think of the, the time when he went to he went to go see the Prophet so yes, and the Prophet was was doing the halaqa with the sisters with the women and Omar um, he heard he heard it he heard the, the women talk so he knocked on the door before entering and so then the women ran into like ran like not ran but like they they like they shuffled into like behind like they went behind the curtain. And then, so the so Omar enters the house, and the prophet's laughing, and he's like, "What's so funny?" And he goes, "They're talking louder than the prophet, but they're afraid of you." Um, <laughs> and so, I forgot what Omar said to that. Like, Omar, what well, he he was concerned. So the pro the prophet's laughing. He mentioned that like they hid basically because yeah because you because came was, yeah. and then Omar he was like they're more concerned about me being here when you're the messenger of Allah like yeah, yeah. they should worry about lowering their voices because of you not me yeah exactly and then yeah. and then and then so then the women were so then so he's like what so he, he he directed that towards them and then they said um he said why are you more afraid of me than like, the prophet or something like something to that effect and then mm -hmm. they said um Oh my God, I, I can't say the word. You are more, you're harsher and hard-hearted, more hard-hearted than him. Um, and Omar, like, I mean, you, some people would think like Omar would dismiss that. Like, 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 but he's like, he got scared and he looked at the prophet and he's, and he's like, am I? And, um, and the Prophet Adisalsam, very beautiful like response, like didn't like he didn't embarrass anybody. He just told the Prophet, uh, this is the famous, like th this is the famous part, like this is the people everyone loves to quote this the end of the hadith and they forget the rest of it. They forget the first half. The end, the end of the hadith is the famous part where the Prophet Adisalsam tells tells Omar that wherever you walk, Shaitan avoids you. Like Shaitan, Shaitan goes to the other side of the street. So basically telling him, like. You're harsh against evil, and you're hard like you're hard against evil and shaitan. So much so that shaitan, like, will cross gotcha. to the other side, cross to the other side of the street. So like, yeah. So like, it, so I, I don't know. So it's just. What's the first part? The first part is that whole story where like where Omar, where Omar like is coming in and saying like like telling him like be like be more. Why aren't you more afraid of the prophet? Or why aren't you more like ashamed? Around the prophet than you are of me, and then they said because you're harsher and hard-hearted than he is, than the prophet is, and then so then that's when he gets self-concerned. He goes, "Am I like, am I actually harsh and hard-hearted?" And that's when the prophet tells him, "No, no, I'm not like the shaitan." Or he says, "No," he says, "He's like he says when you wherever you walk, shaitan avoids avoid, goes to the other side of the street, right? Goes to the other side of the street. Or, mm -hmm. is, yeah. this the, is this the goes to the other side of the street or like?" Whatever you want. Avoids you. Sh avoids you. Avoids yeah. I mean, I think it's mentioned literally as the other, like if you take a path and Shaitan takes, takes, takes another or yeah, something, yeah. we can look it up and send yeah. it. But that's the idea. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think that, that sounds more like it. it's, it's been a long society. But yeah. Um, so I just like, so when it comes to like, you know, like good character and self reflection and 
you know, the impact that like, you know, being religious and um, like everyone knows that Omar was like a stern character, but they weren't like actually like nobody, no, no Muslim was actually afraid of being harmed by him mm. after he became Muslim, obviously. Like they, they, they never had like a genuine fear for their safety or their well-being. Um, so that's, that's the main thing or, or their, or their character. Like they, they were never afraid that he might disgrace them with his tongue or anything like that. Mm. Um, they just maybe were afraid he might speak to them a little sternly. Um, and that's when the prophet, you know, that's when the prophet said, no, like you're stern against evil. Um, and that like, basically like that you, wherever you walk, shaitan takes another path. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the prophet said, if there was a prophet after me, it would be him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That just shows how beautiful his character is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's really annoying when, you know, the, the people who are like, like quick to cast assumptions about people and call other people catfit or like whatever, like basically are just like be harsh with people. Like they love to like use Omar as their example. Like I'm going to be like Omar. And it's like, dude, you're most like you're more like the people who killed him than you are the people than you are like him. Mm-hmm. It's, or not the people who killed him, the people who killed him, the the people after him. The the and the, the, So that there's the the strength that the Omari strength that he had, but how he used it was yeah. in the right way, essentially, yeah. against uh, yeah. Evil, essentially. That that's a good point. He didn't, he didn't abuse it. He didn't wrong. Uh, like he he was committed to justice, and and the prophet compared his personality to Sayyidina Musa and Sayyidina Nuh, and then the personality of Abu Bakr to Sayyidina Isa and Sayyidina Ibrahim. People of different personalities, and it's interesting that around the prophet, those two were consistently in his company and the, how things would like they would balance each other out and Abu Bakr would you know pull more toward like after bed right the response of Abu Bakr and then the response of, of Umar and Allah actually agreed with Umar after the the decision was made um, but it's just it's interesting how those closest to the Prophet they had such different personalities mm-hmm. Just because of time, it's 8.53. Uh, any final comments or remarks? Do we want to carve out time? I don't know, but I know we started a little bit late today unintentionally. For a general Q&A, is that worth, like, random questions? Basically, I can close the live stream and then if people have uh, There was a question questions. that was brought up. I wanted to ask you, um, is it a sin to break voluntary fasts? Like if you just decided <laughs> that you wanted to fast one day and then in the middle of the day you, mm-hmm. you changed your mind, like is there, is that haram? It's it's a good question. There there are two components. One component is is it haram, and the other component is do you have to make up that day? Okay, so both. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued for, <laughs> for how how Hanafi are you? <laughs> Hanafi take it very strictly like even for voluntary fast, if uh, it'd be worth revisiting the details. Like, is there, is it, there's some, there's some nuance, like if it's past the midday point, um, 
then like if you break it at that point then you'd need to make it up not uh, sinful no sinful no the the in general encouragement is to follow through with it it's good if you started it then then finish it um if you can but if a person technically if they broke their fast and if it's an optional fast a voluntary fast um would they be sinful not necessarily i mean it, it may be not recommended in and of itself but the, there's there's a big difference between it's slightly discouraged or discouraged and like sinful right so would they be sinful no if they if they break it then it depends is it a valid reason is it not do they really need a valid reason if it's optional and how to how to navigate that as usual you have different opinions so if someone if they uh if if they did and then if they chose to make it up another time they're kind of in a sense they're finishing what they started just on a different day and they're still they're completing that good deed that they set that they started um if they if they didn't make it up i mean whoever has that problem god bless them like if they're just fasting all these extra days and they're like oh i, I broke an extra day like mashallah that's a that's a good problem to have like if someone is like man i only prayed like eight rakahs of sunnah today like that's good <laughs> like that, that usually i go for the 12 but i missed the four before the you know oh man pray for the like rest a, of us <laughs> Cause cause like a covenant with Allah that you made a promise you, you were intending to do that and in terms of the fast not i mean covenant not necessarily it if if someone starts it option 1 would be to complete it um it also like it, let's say someone they they they're fasting you have the example of of Salman al-Farisi Salman the Persian uh, and Abu Darda, they were paired together. Abu Darda was fasting, and uh, Salman asked his wife because she like something was off, and she said that you know he has he has nothing to do with the dunya. He's just he fasts all day and he prays all night, and uh, it's it's taking a toll on our relationship basically, and it's affecting all these other things. So Salman, who was like decades into his journey, so when when it was basically lunchtime he told Abu Darda, you know come let's eat and he said no i'm fasting i'm not eating until you eat he said okay fine i'll i'll eat with you uh sometimes that might happen someone has the intention to fast and then i don't know their, their mom tells them oh we have guests coming over today they're coming over for lunch and it's like oh i mean it's kind of a judgment call but if you chose to break your fast for that then it would be fine and Allah knows best. If, if someone, if they break it, and then if they do end up making it up later, like, like that's really awesome, but it's not necessarily a sin per se if, if you don't. Um, the Hanafis are stricter on that than others. But. What does Hanafi say? Uh, you, can, you, can, you can't mess around. <laughs> you you, you got to make it up. <laughs> if, you, if you break it, then first of all, if you break it, it has to be for a valid reason. And then if, you know, even then, you got to make it up uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i was just wondering so i mean there a lot of it just depends on where a person is at in their journey in general and if they are at that point 
Well, first of all, if they're even fasting, because you don't want you don't want it to be a deterrent. Kind of, I'm I'm open a can of worms uh, in a second. Kind of like like you don't want it to be prevention. Like if someone is like, man, I want to fast on Thursday. My friend, they fast every Monday and Thursday, and they asked if I wanted to have if thought with them on Thursday. Maybe they're going to university and they're gonna have dinner on campus or whatever, right next to campus. So the idea would be encouragement. But if they said, no, 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 I'm not going to fast that day because what if like in the middle of the day, then I, you know, change my mind and I break my fat. Like we don't want it to turn into that where it prevents them from even starting. It's it, it would still be worth starting and trying it out and seeing how it goes. And the can of worms is in connection with like whether or not you need to hold the Quran. You have different opinions. One opinion is yes. Another opinion is you don't necessarily have to. It's good. It's recommended, but it's not necessarily mandatory. I mention that because if someone, if they feel like they want to read some Quran, but then if they're like, oh, but I don't have wudu, and then I'm going to have to go make wudu, and I'm kind of tired. I don't feel like it. Okay, I just won't read Quran. Right? So it's good, but at the same time, we don't want it to be a barrier between a person and and that good deed. Let me make it easy for... For all of us. Okay, it's nine o'clock, so we can go ahead and conclude. Uh, we'll we'll be meeting in in this room every week moving forward, inshallah. We ask Allah to bless these gatherings. We ask Allah to make them refreshing and nourishing for all of us. We ask Allah to accept our du'as. We ask Allah to overlook and forgive our mistakes. And we ask Allah to accept our good deeds. We ask Allah to protect us from being hypocrites. We ask Allah to protect us from being arrogant. And we ask Allah for humility. We ask Allah to make us from among those who are sincere. And we ask Allah to make our gatherings those that when when we leave, we all leave forgiven and and uh, blessed with his grace and mercy. We ask Allah for his blessing in this life and the next. We ask Allah to help us to take whatever good we can from today and to put into practice as best we can. And we ask Allah for these different hadith and different Ayahs to be witnesses for us, proof for us on Judgment Day, not against us. Amin. Rabbil Alamin. Subhanakallahum bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaqiruka wa natubu ilaik. Al-Asr inna al-insana fi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu wa amanu salihat wa tawasabu al-haqqiyat wa sabsar. Jazakum.